Welcome back, everyone. I hope that you're having an amazing week or whenever it is that you're listening to this. I'm Evelyn Kish, and I'm the host of the Life Over Matter podcast. And I just like to remind everybody once in a while that the podcast and the book series are not directly correlated with each other. However, it helps to understand the podcast when you listen to these books, just because I reference them often, or I use them in the lessons that are helping me to find out more about who I am and self-discovery and the journey about leadership and trying to be the best that I can be and inspiring others to do the same. So uh, please, Aside from listening to the book series, feel free to check out my regularly scheduled podcast, which is just me doing a bunch of exercises, mental exercises mostly, and trying to lose weight or keep my healthy lifestyle on in check. Uh, and it is published every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 a.m. Uh, so that you can listen to it on your way to work, before work, after work. You can listen to it on your way home. You can listen to it on the weekends when you're doing your laundry or taking the kids to the game, whatever it is that you're doing in the background uh, to try to be your best self as well. So I hope that you're enjoying the book series today where we are embarking on chapter eight and seeing how far it takes us. I am enjoying the book immensely so far. I hope that you are also. It's incredible when you step aside and outside of yourself, uh, the magic that is our subconscious mind and how Michael A. Singer has this amazing way of breaking it down. It uh, oftentimes occurs to, occurs to me when I'm reading it or I'm listening to myself read it, uh, how amazing it is that he's able to step outside of himself or take what he's learned over the course of his lifetime and have this deep realization of where it all comes from. At any rate, um, enjoy the series. I will go ahead and start chapter eight. The Origin of Matter. If you study the origin of matter, you'll find that scientists throughout the world pretty much agree on the basic model of creation. They have an understanding about it. 13.8 billion years ago, there was a giant explosion called the Big Bang. Prior to this explosion, it is thought that all galaxies and everything within them, all the mass and matter of the universe, fit into a space smaller than an atom. This is modern science speaking, not some crazy theory with awe and appreciation as our goal. Let's explore the science of creation and how it can serve us to liberate and identify with us spiritually. After the Big Bang, the energy expanding out was so hot that it didn't have any shape or form. It was just an unbridled radiation. Within a fraction of a se second, subatomic particles began to form from this energy field. No elements, as we know them, could form because the radiation was too hot. And it was expanding out at the speed of light. Thus, the entire universe was without form for about 380,000 years. After that, the radiation cooled down enough to where the fundamental forces of gravity and electromagnetism could pull the subatomic particles together to form the first atoms. We know the subatomic particles as electrons, neutrons, and protons. It was all part and born from the primordial energy field and the subatomic particles emanating from that field. Modern science calls this the quantum field, and the quantum physics is the science that studies these subatomic particles and how they create matter as we know it. The first atoms were hydrogen because it is the simplest structure. 
one negative electron and one positive proton. Because of the force of magnetism, these particles attracted each other to form an atom. As hydrogen atoms begin to form, masses and masses of thick hydrogen gas clouds accumulated. As these clouds thinned out, subatomic light particles called photons started to escape, and that was the beginning of light as we know it. Interesting that the Bible says, In the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That is pretty close to how science sees it. In those beginning times, no light could escape from the ultra-thick gas clouds. Once the expansion thinned the clouds out enough, suddenly, let there be light, and there was light. It's amazing. The similarity of the beginning of creation as told in Genesis and as presented in modern, scientifically-based cosmology. Now that we see where hydrogen atoms come from, we can explore the source of the other elements that make up our world. As the expansion slowed down even more, another one of the fundamental forces came into play, the force of gravity. Gravity, of course, is the force that has the effect of pulling together objects that have mass. Since hydrogen atoms have mass, the atoms were pulled closer together, and the gravity became so strong that it fused two atoms into one. When two hydrogen nuclei fuse into one, a helium atom is created. This process of fusing lighter elements into heavier ones is called nuclear fusion, and it's been going on throughout the universe for hundreds of millions of years. It's worth noting that every single time this fusion of two atoms takes place, there's a tremendous release of atomic energy. All of a sudden, nuclear explosions begin taking place throughout the universe, releasing powerful, radiant energy. This is the birth of what we call primary stars. A star is born by fusing together the hydrogen atoms, which release tremendous amounts of energy and leave helium atoms as its byproduct. You can think of helium as ash left behind this hydrogen fusion process. Wherever the clouds of hydrogen gas were thickest, after the Big Bang, the first primary stars started to burn. That is literally where stars come from. Every star that you look at to this day was born through the hydrogen fusion process. Though this all started 13.8 billion years ago, we have scientific evidence of it today. Stars are being born right now, and we can observe the process. You have binoculars strong enough to see the Aurea nebula. You will see gases with stars shining inside. Nebulae, like the Orion and the Horsehead, are not just beautiful pictures of glowing, colorful gas clouds. They are nurseries for stars. Stars are being born inside those gas clouds via the exact same process that happened 13.8 billion years ago when the first stars were created. Stars are born, and as we shall see, also die in a cosmic cycle of life mirroring what is going on on Earth. In our exploration thus far, we have a universe limited to hydrogen and helium gases and brilliant burning stars that light up the cosmos. But the outer world we interact with each day is much more complex. Where did the rest come from? To understand this, we must first take a closer look at the life cycle of a star. As the hydrogen gases within a star keep fusing, gravity pulls the produced helium into the core of the star because the helium is heavier than oxygen heavier than hydrogen. I apologize. This increases the gravitational pull of the core enough to offset the outward radiance of the explosions caused by the hydrogen fusion. This is how the star stays stable. 
what happens when the star runs out of hydrogen to fuse. The star will start to die. In the early stages of dying process, the hydrogen remaining outside the core will ignite and expand outward to create a red giant star that is many times the size of the original star. To put this in perspective, when a star the size of our sun begins to run out of hydrogen to burn, it will expand into a red giant large enough to swallow lar- red giant large enough to swallow the earth. But don't worry, scientists estimate that our sun has enough hydrogen to burn for another 5 billion years. Meanwhile, a star stops fusing hydrogen. The gravitational pull of the helium core will become greater and greater because there's no longer the fusion explosions to offset it. The star will start to collapse into its core. Depending upon the original size of the star, its core will either drift into space or increase force of gravity on the core will become great enough to begin fusing the helium to more complex elements such as carbon. The fusion process of these more complex elements will reignite the star even hotter than before. Depending on the size of the star, these death throes can go on and on again and again. Cycle after cycle and more complex elements will become the byproduct of fusion of lighter elements and eventually the star will begin to collapse again as it runs out of fuel. Every time this death cycle takes place, more and more elements of the periodic table are created. How many of these cycles of death and rebirth will a star go through and is it dependent on the original size of the star? The larger the star, the greater the gravitational force exerted during its collapse, thus the greater force is available to reignite the fusion process of the more complex elements. In most stars, this process will stop when the byproduct of fusion is iron, element 26 in the periodic table. This is because iron absorbs more heat during fusion than the fusion process creates. Thus, iron will not sustain a fusion reaction. Large stars will progress until they have cores of iron surrounded by shells of the remaining elements of the previous cycles that were not fully burned. This is how the lighter elements on the periodic table 1 to 26 were created. All the elements from hydrogen to iron. As interesting and educational as all of this is, remember that the purpose of this discussion is to see where the outside world comes from. As amazing as it seems, the elements that make up our outer world are forged in the stars. Take your body, for example. We've already explained where all the elements that make up your body come from. They are the direct byproducts of what makes the stars shine. Almost 99% of the mass of the human body is made up of the six elements, oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus. All of these elements are lighter than iron and thus were produced by the burning of a commonplace stars. We know all of this is a fact, not theory. Scientists have studied stars at all stages of the stellar life cycle and we know that we know what they're made of. Regardless, some people ask, don't these scientific facts challenge my belief that God is the creator of the universe? An appropriate response would be, of course not. They merely show you how God created all the structures in the universe. The stars are furnaces that were used to create the universe. Every single atom you interact with was created in the stars. And at this very moment, billions and billions of stars are forging more elements. In Pittsburgh, we have steel furnaces that are so hot we can forge steel. We use that material to build our giant skyscrapers. 
Likewise, the stars are furnaces that have forged the atoms we interact with every day. Hopefully, you will never look up again at the stars in the same way. That chapter was a mouthful. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go to a commercial. I'm going to get a drink. And then right after this, we will continue with chapter nine, the power of creation. Chapter nine, the power of creation. Now that we've seen how ordinary stars create the lighter elements of our world, we can move on to an even more fascinating topic, how the heavier elements on the periodic table are created, like gold, platinum, and silver. The heavier elements are all those with an atomic number greater than the iron, which is 26. Iron forms the dividing line because it absorbs more heat than it releases during fusion. As such, Iron doesn't emanate enough heat energy to stop a star from collapsing. Unless the original star was exceptionally large to begin with, a red supergiant, it will finally die when it gets to an iron core. What happens during the death of a red supergiant star is one of the most amazing events in the known universe, and it provides the energy source needed to create the heavier elements. If the star is large enough before it collapses, the intensity of the collapse can actually crush the atoms in the core. Instead of fusing the iron atoms together, this tremendous force pushes their electrons into the nucleus itself. Since electrons are negatively charged and the protons in the nucleus are positively charged, they attract each other and form neutrons, which have no charge. Once this happens, all that's left of the iron core is a mass of tightly packed neutrons. There are no atoms left, no electrons and no protons. The intensity of the collapse of this large star down to just neutrons has destroyed the structure of matter as we know it. What is left is a neutron star, and it is tiny in size but enormous in mass. Neutron stars are physically about the size of a city, but have a mass that is more than 300,000 times heavier than the planet Earth. The density of a neutron star is so great that if you brought a teaspoon of it down to Earth, it would weigh 12 trillion pounds. The amount of energy released by the collapsing of the star's core down to just neutrons is so powerful that it creates a colossal explosion called a supernova. This explosion is so enormous that a single supernova nova, emits more light than the combined light of all of the billions of stars in the galaxy put together. It is the brightest, most beautiful, powerful explosion that we have discovered in our universe. As it turns out, enormous energy force generated during a supernova explosion is precisely what is needed to create the rest of the elements we interact with every day. What the force of gravity was unable to do during the creation of lighter elements, the massive explosion of a supernova is able to do, fuse the heavier elements. The next time you look at your gold wedding ring or open a tin can, reflect on the fact that these elements required the combined power of billions of stars to come into existence. You are surrounded by the myriad of objects you interact with each day, 
They're giant skyscrapers and tiny paper clips that effortlessly come through in your senses. At their root, every single one of these objects is made of atoms. You have just taken the time to understand where all these atoms come from and how you did not create them. They were created in the stars. This should serve to humble you and leave you in awe of the power of creation manifesting before you. Hopefully this deep sense of humility and awe will assist you on your spiritual journey towards freedom and liberation. I will transition here because we are going to continue into chapter 10. Chapter 10. It's not personal. We just explored where the world around you comes from. It began with the Big Bang and then all of the different types of elements that were created through the process of atomic fusion. When the stars explode at death, all of the matter that's built up in their outer shells gets blown into interstellar space. Carbon, oxygen, silicon, gold, and silver were all floating around as clouds of elements in space. Then gravity pulled them together to form planets. This is how the planet Earth formed with its 92 natural elements, all which were forged in the stars. This process has gone on for over 13 billion years, and everything you interact with each day is composed of stardust, including your body. This is the truth, and we should remember and contemplate it regularly. Let's come back to where we started this discussion. We began with the fact that there is always a moment in front of you. Just open your eyes, and there it is. Where did it come from? Now that we know, the moment in front of you came from the stars. The atoms were baked together for solar furnaces, then pulled in together for this mass that we call Earth. You studied what happened next in the science class. The elements joined together to form the stable molecules such as H2O, based on the laws of electromagnetism. Because of the interaction of these laws, there's water in the oceans, and other more complex molecules formed. They created the primordial soup from which living organisms were formed. Every part of every cell in your body is composed of elements that were created in the stars billions of years ago. This explains where your body comes from, but does it explain where you came from? You're not made of atoms. You're the consciousness that is aware of the objects that are made of atoms. Your body may be the result of a long process of Darwinian evolution, but what about you is in there? Where did you come from? How did you get here? And why is it the way that it is in there? The natural scientists may explain the outside, but what about the inside? This is exactly what we'll be exploring in the coming chapters. What science has discovered about reality could give you more respect for creation, not less. The fact that we are able to explain these phenomenal events that took place should leave you with a sense of awe. Just looking at how it ended up after 13.8 billion years, dare to look at what's in front of you in this light. Now that you know where it all comes from, pay attention. What's in front of you is a very holy thing. All of it. Now consider whether this process of creation had anything to do with you. Were you around causing any of this to happen? Will you be around for the next billion years causing all of that that is going to happen take place? Everywhere? Of course not. The universe is a phenomenal system of cause and effect. What was causes what is. What is causes what will be. 
This has been happening from the very beginning of time through the universe. Every single moment in front of you took billions of years with everything happening exactly like it did to manifest as it is. To fully understand what this means, it helps to look at a simple example from your family history. It is your great, great, great grandmother didn't meet your great, great, great grandfather. You're not here. That's simply the truth. Let's take a moment to tell you a story of how they met so you can see how dependent everything is on everything else. The story begins all the way back with the dinosaurs. After a fierce storm in what is now the South Central Florida, (laughs) after a fierce storm in what is now South Central Florida, there was a big dinosaur lumbering around. When this dinosaur put its big footprint down into the wet soil, it caused a gigantic imprint in the mud. Over time, rainwater accumulated in this deep imprint and the earth began to erode around it. Eventually, the water area grew so large, it became what we now call Lake Okeechobee. Millions of years later, the Miami tribe settled by that lake because of the fresh water, fish, and other animals. Centuries passed and Spanish settlers built a small town on the edge of the lake Your great-great-grandmother was a descendant of the Miami, and your great-great-grandfather was visiting the small Spanish settlement. One day, while it was pouring rain around the lake, and your great-great-great-grandfather was drinking in the local saloon, he was so drunk when he stepped out of the saloon, he never noticed your great-great-great-grandmother walking by sopping wet. Just as he stumbled down the stairs, falling drunk to the ground, your great-great-great-grandmother slipped in the mud and fell right on top of him. Well, they looked at each other. They started laughing, and it was love at first sight, and the rest is history. In other words, if the dinosaur hadn't walked there millions of years ago, and if the Miami tribe hadn't settled there, and if the Spaniards hadn't built a town there, and if it hadn't been raining that day, and if Grandpa hadn't fallen down drunk in the exact spot where Grandma had slipped in the mud, you're not here, and neither are a lot of other things. Every single thing is the result of every single thing that ever happened throughout time and space. You're not the doer. You are the experiencer of reality. If this is true, and it is, then it's pretty silly to think it took 13.8 billion years for this moment to get here and every single thing that had to happen exactly as it did, but I don't like it. That's funny. It's like saying that you don't like that Saturn has rings. Now, do you see why we took the time to explore what's in front of you and where it came from? It has nothing to do with you. It's the result of the trillions of the factors that caused it to be the way that it is. This is our first encounter of what surrender and acceptance really mean. You don't surrender the outside world. You totally accept it. What you surrender is your personal made-up judgment of it. If you were asked whether it's okay with you that Saturn has rings, you'd probably look very puzzled and say, what's that got to do with me? That's a crazy question. The truth is every single thing is that way. It has nothing to do with you. It hasn't It has to do with the forces that caused it to be the way that it is. And those forces stretch back billions of years. The total acceptance of this truth is surrender. You must let go of the part of you that thinks that it has the right to like and dislike the results of billions of years of interactions. Surrender is letting go of the part of you that is not living in the truth. That is true surrender. 
Eventually, you'll come to realize that the moment in front of you is a very holy thing. Our scientific exploration of where that moment came from is actually very spiritual. Quantum physicists are exploring how the entire universe is emanating from an omnipresent, undifferentiated field of energy, the quantum field. They are showing us how everything is made of light. That used to be strictly spiritual concept. Our scientists are our priests. They're teaching us how the underlying force of creation created creation. Scientists shows us that every moment before us is worthy of great respect. A spiritual person understands these truths, ingrains them into their being, and lives their life accordingly. If it took 13.8 billion years for the moment in front of you to get here, and it took 13.8 billion years for you to end up in front of that moment, every moment is indeed a match made in heaven. Nobody else is standing there experiencing exactly what you're experiencing. Truth is, no one ever did and no one ever will. That exact moment will never be here again. All moments just keep passing through time and space and you're being given a unique show that took billions of years to create and it's right in front of you and you're complaining about it. We all think that we have very good reasons to complain. The intention of this journey that we're all in together is take away those reasons whatever they are. The moment in front of you is a gift from creation. There are shapes, colors, and sounds. There are people and lots of things to do. It's not that way on Mars or any place we have seen thus far in studies of the universe, but we don't live our lives with a constant sense of awe and appreciation. That's why these discussions about cosmology and quantum physics are spiritual. They're taking away our right to make everything personal when it's not personal. Your consciousness may be aware of the moment in front of you, but you did not create that moment. You're simply being given this wonderful opportunity to experience a moment in creation. It took billions of years to get here. Be sure that you don't miss it. People make such a big deal out of science versus God, as if the two are at odds with each other. The real problem is, is that people don't truly believe in either. If you believe that science explains the creation of all things, you would live your life with the constant awareness that everything you're interacting with is emanating from the quantum field putting itself together into atoms and molecules, then appearing as a form before you. You would not like it or dislike it. You would be in awe of it. Likewise, if you believed God was the creator of all things, you would live in awe and appreciation of the marvel of the divine creation. You would not like or dislike it. You would be blown away that it even exists. You live in a world where a seed falls on the ground and it has a built-in chemist that knows how to break down the molecules of dirt and water, mix them with sunlight, and combine those substances into a corn stalk or a tree. You're taught that this intelligent chemist is a complex DNA molecule. Where did this amazing molecular structure come from? All its elements were forged in stars and then naturally got pulled together into the DNA structure by the four fundamental forces, gravity, electromagnetism, and the strong and weak nuclear forces. Human intelligence had nothing to do with the creation of DNA, yet DNA is responsible for all the plant and animal life on Earth. We live in a world that is so perfect, it should constantly blow our minds. But we are so lost in making it all personal that we miss both the greatness and science and greatness of God. We began this exploration by asking what it's like for you in there. You know you're in there. What is the nature of the experiences that you're having? 
To answer this, we explored the origin and nature of the outside world in which you live. Hopefully, you have more respect and appreciation for it now. That moment in front of you is special. You were meant to practice appreciating it and noticing the effect that it has on your life. Next, we're going to go work with the mind and its thoughts and the heart and its emotions. They don't come in through your senses, but they are certainly things that you experience. As we comb through each layer, it's going to become easier and easier to let go, accept, and surrender. Remember that you're not surrendering life. You're surrendering your resistance to life. We can use the term mindfulness to mean that you are always conscious of what is really going on around you and inside of you. You're not just conscious of the appearance of things, but also their true nature, where they come from, why they are the way they are, and what it took for them to manifest before you. Mindfulness is a natural, effortless process once you let go of personal distractions. Instead of thinking that the moment in front of you has to be a certain way, you start thinking that it's pretty awesome that way and the way that it is. In fact, it's amazing that it even exists. From now on, everywhere you look and everything you interact with, be sure to say thank you and be sure to pay tribute to the stars. They're not just romantic things twinkling in the night sky. They are the furnaces of the universe. They've created everything for you. Can you thank them? Can you appreciate this truth and understand that you didn't do anything to deserve the trees, the oceans, and the sky? You don't even know where you came from. You're just in this, in here, experiencing this amazing gift unfolding before you. This is spirituality, coming into harmony with reality instead of your personal self. That concludes part two and chapter 10. Thank you for joining me today. Very deep discussions today. I cannot wait until next Sunday for chapter 11. Remember, every Sunday, 8 o'clock until we're done with all of these chapters. There's 39 chapters in this book. We have 29 chapters to go. It's been amazing spending this time with you. Be sure to hit up the podcast if you'd like. It's on every Wednesday and Saturday at 8 a.m. But the next book reading will be next Sunday at 8 p.m. See you then.